Lord, your love is all around us. As we gather here this day, turn our hearts and minds to you, Lord. Let us hear what you would say. We say we want to live our lives for you. We say we want to carry your will through. But the day begins, the world moves in, the worries and the fears descend. Oh, Jesus, see us through. Oh, Jesus, See us through. Lord, this day is a precious gift from you. We won't have this chance again. Help our every word and deed, Lord. Come from your strong guiding hand. Give us the strength and power here this day. To let your love shine through us, Lord, we pray. To turn from wrong and stand up strong, even as we sing this song. Help us to know your way. Give us the strength and power here this day. To let your love shine through us, Lord, we pray, to turn from wrong, stand up strong, even as we sing this song, help us to know your way, help us to live your way, help us to show your way. Won't you help us, Lord, this day? Help us, Lord, this day. This day. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. These are the words of Jesus, and he's talking about prayer. As someone said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams. My name is Hal Brady, and I'm so delighted you've joined me for this half hour of ministry. I'm grateful for you, and the night's subject is not losing heart. So as you hear, please, now the reading of God's word. I'm reading from Luke chapter 18, 
beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have to fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. There will be times when the believer will long for the coming of Christ. This is another way of saying there will be times when the person of faith will be in danger of losing heart. As Christians, we believe that the kingdom of God has already come in the hearts and minds of those who have accepted the reign of God through the resurrected Jesus Christ. But when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying for something that has not come. The kingdom of God has not fully come. And you know that. Listen to these. Violence and hatred are running rampant throughout the world. Fear and mistrust is still the order of the day. Unemployment is rising and is getting worse all the time. Polarity between races and nationalities and even religions is growing. Anne Frank, the teenage Jewish girl who suffered persecution and even death from the Nazis, wrote in her diary these words, Things will change and men and women will become good again. And these pitiless days will come to an end and the world will once more know order, rest, and peace. In our various discouragements, we ask when. When, Lord? When will the kingdom of God fully come? When will the new heaven and the new earth become one? While we do not know the answer to this, only God knows. Listen to the way the writer of Matthew put this. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. While we do not have the answer to these questions, Jesus does give us guidance on how not to lose heart. And this is the basic concern of our text today. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they are always to pray and not lose heart, not despair. You know the story. There was an unjust, immoral judge. He neither respected God or humankind. There was a little widow who had suffered something at the hands of others. She had suffered some kind of injustice. She began to pester the judge to hear her plea. Women in that time had no rights or power whatsoever. The only power she had was the power to pester. And so she began to pester the judge day and night until finally the judge relinquished and answered her request. And Jesus does give us guidance as to how we can keep from losing heart. First of all, prayer is an essential to not losing heart. Now this would be hard for us to recognize, some of us, 
because some of us are simply strangers or occasional visitors to the corridors of prayer. Some of us were raised with prayer, but in our, quote, so-called maturity, we have given up prayer. And some people never understood how to use prayer at all. But prayer is still the main essential to a vital faith. The late Henry Nouwen, that gigantic spiritual god, said that prayer is the center of the Christian life. It is the one thing that is absolutely essential. And he said it is living with God here and now. The late Bishop Gerald Kennedy was a powerful witness for Christ in his preaching and his writing. He said, though, he described his dark night of the soul. He said when he graduated from seminary and graduate school, he went off to Europe. He had the world by the tail. But he said in spite of the depression and other things, a secular spirit that was beginning to grow, and the fact that he put his faith in a science that never actually fulfilled his dreams, he began to lose heart and he began to lose his faith. He said he went to a church. He did everything he could, but the church refused to grow. Consequently, he took a smaller church. He took a lesser salary. But that church had massive problems. He said he began to confess his shortcomings. This was the prayer he prayed. Listen. He said, I went through a crisis, which was like a second conversion to me. I knew I could not continue as I was, and if God didn't do for me something which I couldn't do for myself, it was curtains for my chosen vocation. Then it came to me that if God had called me to ministry, God had some responsibility for me and my works. If God wanted me to do the job, then God must be willing to give me the power to do it. All this and more poured out of my soul in prayer. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying he didn't get everything he needed from that experience. He still had some doubts, but he said his life was changed. And so we're beginning to see the essentialness to prayer to Gerald Kennedy's successful life. Now, beloved, if we live successful lives, faithful lives, if we are faithful disciples, then somebody's going to look back one day and talk about the faithfulness of our prayer life. That was how it was. Now, this parable was given to encourage prayer. Luke thought that prayer was the greatest gift the world had ever known, and it was available to all people. Some of these people had become discouraged, so this parable was told to strengthen them. If they would learn how to pray, they could keep from losing heart. Now, the first requirement of a disciple is to be with him. Jesus called his disciples and ordained them to be with him. What does it mean to be with him? It means to be people of prayer. So what is prayer? I want us to think about that for a few minutes. What is prayer? First of all, prayer is dwelling in Jesus. Jesus made this crystal clear when he said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. For those who dwell in me as I dwell in them, they can do anything. In other words, he said, Go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. He was talking about an effective prayer life with him. Now, there was a, a man from Ireland, St. Patrick, years ago, who wrote this prayer that I think emphasizes this prayer as dwelling in Jesus. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in the hearts of all that love him, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Here Christ is everywhere in the person's life who prays. So prayer, first of all, is dwelling in Jesus. 
And then secondly, prayer has to do with being enriched with the power of God in a person's life. Prayer is primarily communion with God. A little boy was praying. He was praying silently. His mother said, I didn't hear you, honey. The little boy said, I wasn't talking to you. You see, he was talking to his father. Thomas Merton said, prayer has but one function, and that is to bring humankind to a permanent awareness of his or her union with God in Christ. Union with God in Christ, that means relationship. How do we sustain that kind of relationship through prayer? Bishop Woody White said when he grew up, they had a practice in their home on Sunday morning before they went to church. He said that they would all listen to somebody read the prayer, then everyone in the family would kneel down at this chair and pray a prayer as they prepared to go to church. He said one day he saw his mother praying, and he suddenly realized she was not preparing to go to church, she was having church. And he said, from that moment on, I realized there was a big difference between going to church and having church. Prayer is communion with God. And then thirdly, prayer is reporting for duty. Prayer is the one thing that can break down our self-preoccupation and enable us to focus on God with our minds and our hearts. How important that is for us to know. When I was the associate pastor in a church years ago, they brought in a well-known speaker. They asked me if I would be his driver for the week. I would be at his disposal. That's what prayer is. It's being at the disposal of God. We come under God's influence. We allow God to rule us. We submit to his rule. And then prayer is a sword against evil. You know, whenever we are working for peace in the world, whenever we're trying to raise funds for the poor, we are actually engaging in a struggle against evil. Well, just as working for peace is engaging in a struggle against evil, so prayer is engaging in a struggle against evil. And I think it was Albert Schweitzer when he was asked about the world's distresses. He said, the world has many problems. He said, but I believe that every person is given some kind of powerful ability with prayer to mark out a part of that evil. We all have that kind of power. And then prayer sustains our faith. Now, certainly one way of talking about it is to look at the last sentence in our text. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's the question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his people continually at prayer? That's the question. So prayer nurtures our faith. And then, as Henry Nouwen put it, prayer is the center of the Christian life. It is the only thing that's absolutely necessary. It is living with God here and now. And then secondly, recalling the goodness of God. That is another way to keep from losing heart. Bruce Larson's mother, when she was aging, she said to her son on many different occasions, Son, I hope you'll be preaching on the goodness of God. Bruce Larson said he was not very receptive. He said, Mother, that is redundant. Everybody knows God is good. Everybody knows that. If he were... Not good, he wouldn't be God. But his mother was overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And she thought he should be preaching on it, and so do I. People need to know about the goodness of God. Over and over they need to be told about the goodness of God. It will keep them from succumbing to themselves, just knowing about the goodness of God. You know what they say a parable is. A parable is something that's laid alongside something else that produces a lesson. And the lesson in 
can either be a lesson of lightness or a lesson of contrast. When we look at this parable of the unjust judge, we're looking at a parable of contrast. In other words, Jesus is telling us that God is not like this unjust judge. Think about this. If an immoral, corrupt judge can finally be persuaded to answer, then God is directly the opposite of that. God is a loving God who wants to answer our prayers. J. Wallace Hamilton said that there are several things necessary if prayer is to be possible, and that is a receptive person, a receptive universe, and a receptive God. No question about it. God is receptive because God loves us. You know, I'm a dog man myself, but I've had one cat in my life, and I named that cat White Sox. It had four white feet. And as a boy, I played with that cat and enjoyed that cat and loved that cat. Well, my dad decided that I needed to go off to Bar Rest Boys Ranch in Warm Springs, Georgia, to spend two weeks with a horse. You went over there and you rode horses and you fed horses and you rode in rodeos. It was all about horses. Well, my father picked me up at the end of that two-week encampment, and I noticed he was rather sad. As we were riding back to my hometown, he turned to me and he said, Son, White Sox is dead. Your cat has been run over, and the cat died. Well, that didn't set too well with an eight-year-old boy, but my father and I just rode along in silence. And finally, when we got home, my father said, I want you to come around, and I want to show you something behind the garage. When I went around and looked, there was a brand-new pony. Needless to say, I didn't think any more about White Sox. Now, my father died in 1977. Do you think I'll ever forget him? Not a chance. Why? Because my father loved me. My father had given me gifts even before I asked for them. How much more will God give to us? Not long ago, I was busy in the hospital with a woman who was facing heart surgery. She was somewhat fearful. She said, listen, I'd like to share something with you if you have a moment. I said, sure. She said, earlier today, somebody came in my room and opened the blinds, and immediately I saw this beautiful white cloud formation. And at that same moment, a white dove landed on my windowsill. She said, you may think I'm crazy. And I said, no, isn't God good? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask for him? Will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? How much more will the Father give? That is the key to this passage. So should we be lonely and discouraged in our prayer lives? Not at all, because God is a God of goodness, and God wants to vindicate us because we are His people. And then there is a third thing I want to share with you today. Recommitting ourselves to daily prayer is another way we can keep from losing heart. Recommitting ourselves to daily prayer. The introduction to this parable tells us precisely how faith is maintained. Listen, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. We do not lose heart because we pray. There was a Methodist minister that decided to leave the ministry. He said he no longer had joy in his calling. He was no longer interested in preaching or counseling or visiting or any other clergy duties. Somebody asked him about his prayer life. Tragically, he didn't have a prayer life. He had no prayer life at all. Dwight L. Moody said that we can go bankrupt in ministry just as people go bankrupt in business. It's too much business on too little capital. 
really understand too much of the doings and not enough prayer, too much business and not enough capital. Now, if you think about this parable, there's another point in it that's not the main point, but it has to do with persistence. It was persistence that won the day for this little widow woman. She was persistent. It won the day for her, and it will win the day, and it will win the day for us. So, I'm talking about praying. How do we pray? I have a few suggestions I want to share with you, not as one who knows how to pray, but as one who is trying to pray persistently. Listen, here are some things we need to know about prayer. Prayer, first of all, needs a quiet place. If God is God, and if God is involved in our lives, then we need a place where we can give our undivided attention. It needs to be a place of quietness. Then secondly, prayer needs a set time. It's not how long we pray, it's whether we pray. There was a violinist. This violinist was asked why she was a success. She said, well, to begin with, I got out of bed, I washed the dishes, I made up the bed, I did a whole lot of other chores, and I practiced last, but I didn't get anywhere. But then she said, I changed the order. I got up and practiced first. But then she said she adopted something called planned neglect. In other words, the less important things could take place later in the afternoon. Now, that's a very key sentence for us. Plan neglect. We do the more important things, and we use plan neglect for the less important things. How very critically important that is for all of us. And so we ask the question, but before we do, let me say something else about prayer I meant to say. Prayer has something to do with praying alone and praying in community. If we study the lives of other people who've prayed, if we study their prayers, if we listen to their prayers, and even pray their prayers, we'll grow in our prayer life. Fourthly, pray honestly. God wants us to be honest in our prayers, but he also wants us to remember the prayer of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then we need to pray consistently. We need to pray consistently. That is, we need to pray throughout the day with all the daily activities, and thus prayer will become the way we live our lives. Now, I want to ask you this question in closing. Does prayer really count? Of course it does. In the words of Barbara Taylor Brown, these are the words, prayer enables us to chase after God's heart. Prayer is how we bother God and how God bothers us in return. And there is nothing more effective than that. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for this day and this time together. We are grateful for this tremendous blessing of this parable. Help us to know, O oh God, that we can pray and we can remember your love and we can commit ourselves to daily prayer and we cannot be discouraged or not be overcome with discouragement. Thank you for these who share this 30-minute ministry with me tonight. Bless them and sustain them and use them and help them to know how much you love them and you do. In your name, amen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight and I Trust this has been a blessing to you, and you'll share it with others. Thank you, and good night. Voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you.
We doubt your goodness. We doubt your As if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while, you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray that this is not, this is not all. It's not all. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst this world can satisfy? trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise.